What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Behind the Glass Sports Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Overcast, and Radio Public. We want to thank you for joining us. Happy Friday before the 4th of July. Hopefully you have some big plans, but safe plans, people. Don't be stupid. We're still in a pandemic here. You can follow us on Twitter if you'd like, at Brandon underscore Stole for Brandon, at Stephen Priest Jr. for myself. Uh... It's been a while since we've been on, had some things go on, but we're here, we're back. We got a lot to get to this uh, this show. Chris yeah, right Harris. when we take two shows off, yeah. hey, let's just, Everything you know, happens. Fourth world, lose your mind. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but you know what? It's good for us because it's a jam-packed show. Chris Harris poo-pooed on the Drew Locke hype train. Garrett Bowles posted out a workout video. Oh, okay. Uh-oh, sledgehammers and dunking basketballs, baby. I have a feeling he will not hold anybody this year. We'll see if that works out. Cam Newton gets a new team. Preseason possibly getting slashed. There's some mixed reports on that. One NFL team became the first to acknowledge that they possibly will not have fans at their games this year. One team is changing their name, finally, potentially. And the NBA has another bubble apparently coming out there's a lot a lot to get to today uh but first and foremost i mean where where do you want to start i mean there's so much to get to where do you want to get to uh let's you know what let's get to this garrett bowles thing we'll we'll get to the title of the stream and the title of the video all that all that stuff later but let's get to this garrett bowles thing because i just think this is hilarious so for those who don't know garrett bowles uh and, and if you're listening and you have no idea who garrett bowles is he's the best hugger in the world he gives great bear hugs <laughs> He will keep you warm, snuggled. He, he can also heal you, uh, heal himself. He has great healing powers. There was one time it looked like he broke his ankle, was carted off. He was waving the fans, tears in his eyes. He thought his career was over. The next day he was able to practice full health. I don't know how he does it. He's a magic healer. So great hugger, magic healer. That's all you needed to know. He also just happens to be the left tackle of the Denver Broncos too and <laughs> leads the league in holding every year. But that's neither here nor there. He posted a workout video this past week. I guess to to hype up fans, and his caption was the little shh emoji, you know, with the finger over the mouth, uh, kind of to, to to shush the haters. I don't I don't know, maybe shush those that say he hugs people too much. He just wants to give love. That's all he wants to do. But in his video, he did a lot of bunch of things, a lot of bunch of things, a lot of things. He uh, sledgehammered some tires. He uh, he he bench pressed with some chains on. That's how you know it's serious. When you got the chains on the bench, that's how you know you mean business. He also, for some reason, threw a ball off of the backboard and dunked it. Not sure what that. That does for anything um but that was there too and to make to make things even better it was i believe in slow motion and black and white so there you go and he had music in the background total hype video that's that's what you need in today's age uh does that give you confidence that garrett bowles will not lead the league in penalties this year uh no no but i also i also think he's gonna have a better year and, and part of this why i want to talk about this and this kind of leads into our expectations of like this offensive line in general and why they didn't pick a tackle at all in the draft, let alone in the first round uh, where they had an opportunity to trade up um, and, and get, you know, and, and go ahead and get someone. So um, look, if you look at last year and he, he led the league in holds right last year, but only through, he only had, one whole i believe only one holding penalty in the last five games i believe is that correct he had one accepted call 
in there. Well, how many decline then? Well, that's the thing. We can go back and look at the numbers, but people say, and that's that's what people have to realize when they say, oh, well, he didn't get called for holding as much. No, 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 no. He got called for holding still. <laughs> the team just didn't accept it because it just happened to be the scenario they didn't right. have to accept but it. But I guess my what my point is is, like, they went 4-1 and one in those last five games, and the offensive line didn't change. Um, you know, Drew Luck was able to... Drew Luck didn't go out there and get killed. You know, he didn't get hit really a lot, I don't think. So, and the offensive line didn't change. What did? It was it was the quarterback. And, like, the offensive line is important, but there's a reason... Do you Can you name three Hall of Fame offensive linemen that Peyton Manning had? Three Hall of Fame and offensive linemen? 20, in 20 years, or well, in, what, 18 years? Seriously, how many Hall of Fame caliber offensive linemen did he have? Is Jeff Saturday a Hall of Famer? Yeah, I think so. There's one. I mean, that would be... Yeah. That would be a better question for for Colts fans because I have no idea. I mean, he definitely didn't have any here. Even even with Brady. Uh, well, has Brady ever had a Hall of Fame type of? He's had he's had good, really good linemen. He, he's had good linemen. I, mean, I can't remember their names. But, but in the past, there's been issues though, you know, and and they've they've constantly changed offensive linemen. I mean, here in Denver alone with Peyton. It wasn't anything they had. Um, he went off to Jacksonville, uh, the guard. Uh, Zane Beatles. Zane Beatles. He he was solid. Orlando Franklin was solid. Um, Ryan Clady. I believe he had Ryan Clady for his first year, right? He had uh, Peyton. Yeah, he had Ryan Clady that f- the first two years, I believe it was. First two years. Um, so, but Ryan Clady got hurt that Super Bowl year and didn't play. So, like, that's the thing is. I mean, I just don't think that it's it's as important as we've been kind of talking about over the last two years. We see it more because the Broncos have had terrible quarterbacks and they don't get rid of the ball quickly. They don't, you know, they they just can't move in the pocket. They you know, it's, and it's not just like they can't go out and run with the ball and get 10, 15 yards. It's can you just move in the pocket? Just kind of know where to go, just like Peyton, just like Brady. There's a reason why that they improve an offensive line because they can either, one, get the ball out quickly, or two, they know where and when to move. And I think with Drew Locke, I think he showed some of that. He has that ability to move around, and he has the ability to get rid of the ball quickly. So... That helped the offensive line a lot, and you know, I I, rem- I mean, I remember just watching the games and and looking through Twitter, and I barely even saw you know Garrett Bowles' name or the offensive lineman being talked about. It was just it was how well Drew Lock was playing, and that's it, because he was playing well with that offensive line. So I'm looking at Bowles' stats and penalty stats and if you go to nflpenalties.com you can see it if you search Garrett Bowles so it looks like in the last few weeks when Drew Locke was playing he only got called and accepted for holding once and that was week 16 against the Lions however on the year he did have 
six declined holding penalties as well. So does it show when those declined penalties were? Not that I can see. No. So that's okay. that's the thing. I mean, but if you go through the first one, two, three, four, five, six, <laughs> seven, eight, nine, he had a nine game streak there where he was he was getting holdings left and right. Um, and some of those games, I'm pretty sure he had multiple holdings so or holding penalties called yeah i'm with you this this doesn't give me i mean obviously it's you know it's good for him if that's what he needs to to kind of motivate himself Mm -hmm. do what you got to do uh it's it's funny to make fun of it um it's it's gearable so it's i mean it's like you know he's got he's got this narrative surrounding him i don't think that you know he's a bad guy i mean obviously i've never met the guy but he seems like he works hard he just for whatever reason his technique isn't great and he just likes to hug people Hopefully that can change, and hopefully he can get better in year four. Or is he going into year five? Um, I think he's going into year four. They year declined four, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. the the fifth year option. But at the same time, I just I just don't have the confidence that he can be a great tackle man. Maybe he can be serviceable. We'll see a full. Hopefully, if Drew Lock stays healthy and if the season continues, a full slate of games with with Garrett Bowles with Lock, and maybe that improves his performance. But I'm going to go off of what, what history says, too, at this point. This guy is what he is at this point. Now, maybe he can kind of reduce those penalties, but that doesn't change the fact that he'll still be liable to get those, and especially at the worst times, too. Like, whenever there's a big play, whenever there's a 40-yard Philip Lindsay run or a 27-yard catch by Sutton, I'm like, okay, where's it at? Where's the yellow flag? <laughs> and it's usually on 72. Hopefully, he can get it figured out, though. Yeah, and I think, like, I'm not saying he's going to be, like, a Pro Bowl caliber left tackle like some people. <clears throat> um, but he, I think for this year, I don't think it was a situation where, because I, I, there's a lot of people that were upset that they did not go out and grab a tackle in the draft or even in free agency. And for to me, that it wasn't a priority. It really, it, it's not. It's not a absolute priority. If he was doing, if he was, if he had five holding penalties in the last five games and was killing Drew Locke, yeah, then that's a priority. But the fact that Drew Locke came in and won four out of five games and put up the numbers that he did, and Bulls only had one accepted holding penalty and maybe a, a couple declined, it to me, it's if, okay, if he had, let's say, 10 to 12. I don't know how many holding penalties he had last year, but let's say he had 10. Um, uh, he probably had more than that. He probably had like, what, 12? If, if he um, cuts it in I'm half. looking at it now. He had. It looks like he had 10. I feel like this is wrong. It looks like he had 10 total penalties. Let me let me just double check to make sure this is right because I feel like he had more than this too. I feel like he, he had led the league. Too. I want to say 12, but let's just say he had 10. Then if he cuts it in half and he only has five next year, look, I'll take it. I think that's good enough for next year. They're not, you know, there's no Super Bowl expectations for this team next year. Can they make the playoffs with Garrett Bowles having five holding penalties? Probably. They probably can. So if he just cuts it in half and has anywhere between, I would say, three to seven holding penalties, anywhere in that range, Fine. It's it's serviceable serviceable for next year, and then you can move on. And then first round next year, take a tackle or grab a tackle in free agency. Whatever you need to trade for a tackle, whatever you need to do. But 
the opportunity that they had to help Drew Locke immediately with getting Jerry Judy, with getting KJ Hamler, that was a priority because yeah, you have Sutton, but there's no one, there's really no one else. You don't really believe in Deshaun Hamilton. You don't believe in, in Tim Patrick, obviously. So that's that was the priority for this team. Get those guys because not only getting those guys will help Drew Locke, but it will also help the offensive line. Because if it's helping Drew Locke, he's going to get the ball out quicker and they're going to be able to build an offense around Drew Locke and, this, and the weapons that they have to help the offensive line and to put a lot of points up. So to me, I trust what they're doing with that. It's hard to trust this team, I, especially as of late. I know that, but I think when you have the quarterback, a lot of a lot of issues go away, and I think that's one massive issue that maybe won't go away, but it will be a lot smaller next year. Yeah, and looking at it, it looks like Bowles was called for 17 total penalties last year. And if I'm if I'm reading this right, only ten were accepted, but he was called for holding thirteen times. Again, I feel like that's that's off somehow, but I don't know. Either either way, I agree with you. If he could just cut that in half, I mean, if we're hovering around the eight mark, you know, and and maybe four of those are accepted, we'll take that. Um, and it also just matters when these holdings are coming from, mm-hmm. you know. And maybe that's maybe that's a coaching thing. Maybe these coaches should realize, okay, in this situation, late in this quarter. Or, you know, it's a big third down right before half. We're in a two-minute drill. Maybe we should slide the protection a little bit. Or maybe we should give Bulls a tight end right next to him, and maybe they can chip before they go on their route. Or maybe the running back, you know, you know, motions over and chips somebody um, as they're they're breaking out on their route or something like that. Maybe that's a coaching thing and things they can do to help, thing, you know, help him out a little bit more. But at the end of the day, it's just he is what he is, and, and hopefully he can in, improve on, on what he is. Yeah, and to the coaching point, run the ball. Don't get pass happy with this team. I get Drew Locke is the, the new fun toy to go out and, you know, KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, Sutton, Fant, all these guys, all these weapons, but you also have Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. And we talked about Melvin Gordon on our last podcast. The dude can play. Philip Lindsay can play. These guys, you have a two-headed monster back there. You have to use them. They have to be getting... You know, in my mind, Melvin Gordon should be getting 20 to 30 touches a game. Philip Lindsay should be getting 10 to 20 touches a game, at least. So if if you go out and give Philip Lindsay 12 touches and Gordon 27 touches, and you know that what is that equal? 39 touches total. If oh you boy. can give them Math. if you can give them 40 combined a game, then great. But if it goes below that number and Julak is throwing the ball 30 plus times. I don't really I don't care if it's 25 for 30 450 yards and five touchdowns. That's you cannot do that every game. It will not work every game. You have to rely on Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon at least for this upcoming season. And then next season maybe if Drew Locke is showing what he can do, then yeah, you can go the Kansas City route and just go crazy. But until then, you have to rely on those guys and those guys will help Garrett Bowles and the rest of the offense line too. If you had a workout video, what would it consist of? What would be your montage? Um, anything involved with pivot. So like spoon so feeding it really and peanut butter. Into a, <laughs> it really just turned into a pivot montage, but that's okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I, I would do anything food related. 
So crumble, <laughs> uh, you know, anything pies, you know, something like that. I would definitely put it in black and white. Uh, put some sensual music behind it, honestly. It wouldn't be like hype train. It would be like sensual, some Barry White stuff. Uh, but no, good on Garrett Bowles. I mean, hey, you know, whatever you got to do to get yourself going for the year, do it. That's what uh, that's what we're looking for. And hopefully you can improve on it and stop hugging everybody, damn it. Like, just block them. Use your hands sometimes. Don't, don't put your nipples to their nipples. You don't need to do it. All right, moving on. Didn't know we'd get nipples in today in the podcast, but we did it. Maybe we should have did, did that challenge every day, every podcast. <laughs> let's try and fit a word in. Whoever does it wins. Um, trains. Speaking of trains, even though I never mentioned train yet, Chris Harris Jr. poo-pooing on Drew Locke's hype train. I didn't did you, see this. You didn't see this. Okay, so he joined Colin Cowherd uh, last week sometime. I don't know what day it was, but I saw this. Somebody on Twitter tweeted the quote, and I was like, okay, this is interesting. I went and watched the clip this morning, and he joined Colin Coward, and and Colin, he's a big Drew Locke fan. For anybody that hasn't known, Colin Coward is, is driving the bus. He has got the hat on, blue and orange glasses. He is ready for Drew Locke's season this year. Well, Chris Harris Jr. was on, and for those who don't remember, Chris Harris Jr. now plays for the L.A. Chargers, and he was asked about Drew Locke as a franchise quarterback, well, as a quarterback, what Chris Harris liked about him, what's his strengths, what's his weaknesses, and Chris Harris said, you know, he he can make all the throws, but we played subpar competition last year, and so you don't know if you really got a good look at him. Now, to Chris's defense, I went back and looked at the teams that the Broncos played last year. They did play the Chargers, I believe it was in week um, 13 or 14. At the time, the Chargers were 4-8. and eight. They, they were without Derwin James, if I remember correctly. So you have to take that in consideration. They played the, let's see, so it was the Chargers, uh, and then they played the, the Lions in week 16, 3-11-1. They played the Raiders week 17, who were 7-8 and eight at the time. Not great teams. They did play two really good teams in between there, though. Week 14, you had the 8-5 and five Texans, who Locke had his best game yet. And then week 15, they played Kansas City in the snowstorm. I don't know how much of how much stock you want to put in that game. I mean, right. the, the Chiefs blew them out. But, I mean, I, if, if the field, if it was in Denver and it was that type of snowstorm, does Kansas City perform that well? I don't know. I mean, I think home field really played a, a huge edge in that. And, and plus, I mean... I, just, I don't know. It was just one of those games for Drew Locke. You just couldn't do anything. So when you hear that from Chris Harris or when you hear that quote, what is what is your thoughts? Do you, is there, do you think there's bitterness behind that or do you think he actually believes that Locke is just, eh? I mean, I think if he was still, if he had signed, say, a two, three-year deal with Denver and stayed, I think that conversation would have been a lot different. Um, But, but again, he is right to a certain extent i mean like the chargers yeah they didn't really have they had a lot of injuries and you know at that time like you said they were four and eight uh and drew like 134 yards two touchdowns had a pick it was his first game though so okay i mean they won he played okay um but i again after that game i remember thinking all right well that's not exactly what we wanted to see he did make some throws and he played all right but it wasn't anything it i wouldn't say it was good or even great i would just say okay you know that was his first start let's let's see what he does next week um and then uh against the 
Uh, and then the next game was against the Texans, where he was 22, 27, 309 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. So that Texans team was a good team, but they didn't have J.J. Watt. Uh, I don't think the defense for that team was necessarily great. Um, so, I mean, I I guess I agree, but at the same time, that's an NFL defense and a team who is eight and five uh, at that time. And he, like I he he had five incompletions. So, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not, I guess with Drew Locke, we just need to see more. And that's been kind of what we've really talked about the last however long. We just need to see more. Five games is not enough. And it was just, to me, when you look at his stats, it was inconsistent. And that's what you expect from a rookie quarterback, just the inconsistency. But the fact that he did have those games in which he played great, I think you, he showed flashes. And, and I think that's what's so exciting about him. Um. So I, I guess, I guess at the end, at the end of the day, I, I guess I agree with Chris Harris. It's just, I mean, he he he's playing for the Chargers, right? So what are, what are you really going to say at that point? If if he was a free agent still, or even with the Broncos, I think he would have said a little bit more. But he's with the Chargers, so what what really are you right. going to say? I think I think two things can be true at the same time here. And I think he he did he didn't say it in a way that was like ah this guy is not the real deal he sucks he just pointed out he said yeah he can he can make all the throws you know there he mentioned why he feels like the offensive players and maybe even defensive players gravitate towards uh you know to, towards Drew Lock because he has that that confidence that swagger whatever you want to call it he has that but he did say you know he didn't he didn't say it in a way that he's like he sucks but the way he kind of phrased it was like he has all this but at the same time we didn't play the best of competition and while that's true we just went through it they they didn't play you know the ravens or top defenses week after week but at the same time too you can only play who's on your schedule and at the same time when you play those teams whether good or bad you're expected to perform well did Drew Locke perform well more often than not? Yes. Yes, he did. And he did show flashes to where you can be like, okay, wow, this guy has the potential. I agree that I think this is more so Chris kind of taking the side of I'm a charger now. Things didn't really end well in Denver. So I got to pump this guy up a little bit because I know him and played with him, but at the same time kind of bring him down a little bit. So it's not like, Oh yeah, I love that guy. He's going to be a star because a lot of defensive players, like I just saw after I saw that Justin Simmons came out and said, this guy has the it factor. And I'm pretty sure there was a point last year and I was just trying to Google it where Chris Harris, I believe it was him said that he, he has the potential to be a star. Uh, Von Miller might, it might be Von Miller's quote that I'm thinking of. Von Miller says he's going to be a future star in this league and he hopes he's around when, when he reaches that stardom. So it's like, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Now, Chris did practice against Drew Locke. He's on the other side, so maybe he knows more things than we do. But at the same time, too, we know Chris Harris loves to talk, and we know he's a very uh, emotional guy. He wears you know his, his emotions on his sleeves. So when, when you don't get the kind of get what you want out of the deal with your contract and how things ended up, I'm sure anything Bronco-related, he's not going to have the best thing to say right now. Right. I'm 
Here's the thing, though. If I told you, okay, this rookie, in general, played five games. He went four and one. The team went four and one, but he threw for three hundred and and forty plus yards in one game, and had just two touchdowns in that game. Um, I believe two touchdowns, three touch. He had three touchdowns in the game, so that's the one great game. The rest of the games, though, the most yards he threw for was 208. The rest were below 200, all in the 160s, 170s. What, what's the, you know, what, what are you thinking? Well, I mean, it depends on the context, too. It all depends on the context right. of it as well and how it looks. And even though he may not have had the stats to back it up, I mean, how many rookies are going out there putting up 300-plus yard games, you know? I mean, other than Mahomes, who's just a freak and who had a loaded team. I mean, I just think you have to take it with a grain of salt. Now, is there things he can improve upon? Yes. I'm, I'm not ready to crown Drew Locke as, as some sort of franchise quarterback like a lot of Denver media or, or Denver fans may be willing to do. I'm not there yet. I still think – I actually think this year is going to be kind of a sophomore slump for, for Drew Locke. I think we're going to see him struggle, and I think – the narrative might flip very quickly. Like, oh, this guy can't play. And at that point, I'm going to be ready to be like, well, let's, you know, let's give this guy a little bit more time, especially with the circumstances of a shortened off season, mm-hmm. a younger offense, a new coaching staff offensively. Now you really, now he really has a longer leash as at least he should. But I think we saw the flashes that we didn't see with guys like Trevor Simeon, Brock Osweiler, you know, Paxton Lynch, of course, uh, you didn't see it with those guys. With Drew Locke, you at least feel it. You see, you felt it in preseason, and you feel it with some of the throws he can make and do. You're like, wow, okay, this guy could actually be something. Now it's about being consistent and and getting those technical things down of the sport. Yeah, and I think for the for the people who I guess don't really believe in Drew Locke, like you said, I mean, it's you're just looking at stats. You you need to know the context. You need to. You need to watch him play, and I think his what I think what I've seen from him the most that I guess what gets me the most excited about him and and makes me believe that he can actually be that next guy for this team is not how he played on the field, his stats or anything anything like that. It's his attitude. It's his what I've seen from at least early on with his leadership and doing the workouts in the off season, even just during the games being just out there being a leader, being a quarterback. And those are the things that we didn't see from Trevor Simeon. Really? We didn't, it was more of just, it was almost like a Kyle Wharton like feel where he was just kind of stone faced and it wasn't really just, he didn't have that emotion um brandon allen had a little bit but he didn't have the play to kind of go with it joe flacco was uh, a mess um so that's the thing that kind of stands out for me when i was watching drew Locke. it wasn't just the throws that he was making or anything like that it was his attitude and i this offseason shows a lot going out and and meeting up with guys doing the workouts uh reaching out to peyton um he's 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 taking that step to being that guy instead of waiting for it to come to him. And that's that's the thing that's been most impressive for me. So um, we'll see if all that pays off for him. Yeah. You know, all that 
those those extra steps, you know, passing with guys, setting up times, talking with Peyton. Hopefully it works out because we are in desperate need of a quarterback here and we can't go, go through another, you know, three to four years without having one. From one quarterback to another, though, uh, actually, let's pay off. Let's pay off the title here. The Redskins, Washington, <laughs> that team, they're possibly changing their name. This was a big story a few years back. Now it's coming back to fruition. Um, I just saw not too long ago on Twitter that uh, Roger Goodell posted a statement from the NFL saying that they've actually had talks with Dan Snyder about this in, in recent weeks, and they're they're kind of optimistic about where things are going. A lot of people are pushing for Dan Snyder to change the name of the Washington Redskins, which he should because it's you know it's obviously pretty racist to anybody of Native American uh, descent. So. With that being said, the Redskins put out a statement saying that they're going to go undergo a thorough review of their name, which, I mean, you would think that means they're going to change it. If they put that out and they're like, nah, we're good, we're going to keep it, then it's kind of like that looks even worse. But if they do change their names, we saw the, what was the Washington Red Tails uh, to honor mm-hmm. the, the Tuskegee Airmen in World War II, the African-American Airmen. That would be they a really were, cool one. Yeah, so I'm reading it here and again this taking this off twitter so if you know for the small chance that this is um i guess not completely true we apologize we're just going off twitter what we're seeing um but it here it does say the name red tail celebrates the world war ii um uh how do you say it uh tuskegee airmen yeah uh, who <laughs> were the first African? <laughs> yeah, who were the first African American military uh, aviators in the U.S. Armed Forces? The nickname Red Tails comes from uh, their planes, which has had a distinct crimson tail. So, um, and then this person uh, here on Twitter made like a logo for it uh, and um, like a jersey mock-up. So it would be really uh, cool, I think. Ollie Connolly, if you guys want to go check it out it's all over twitter but yeah i like that um generals have popped up uh they can't do the generals though (laughs) that's that's the team that continuously gets beat by the uh the harlem globetrotters so i don't think you'd want to be the generals uh the senate the senators um the warriors uh uh, let's see i don't really see any other names right now um yeah i mean they can't really do you know, with DC, you know, being that where that's where the White House is at, and all the you know patriotic. They can't really do the Patriots. I've seen the Sent- Sentinels as one as well. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's about time. But hey, I mean, use this time. I mean, as as a time to rebrand. You know, a, a new younger quarterback in there. You get a new name, maybe new jerseys with that. Hopefully, mm-hmm. or or you could keep the you know the color scheme, but new jerseys. I mean, use this as a chance to kind of change the feel around the Redskins, which right. has been an organization that's just has just been kind of dwelling in the bottom for a while. Yeah, and I think I think Red Tails would be especially in, in for today, uh and for the future of the league and just in sports in general, um, really the the world, I think Red Tails is probably the perfect name. If they if they don't choose it and they decide on the Warriors or if they don't choose that name, if there's a lot of people out there who want that name, 
and that's the name that's trending that's the most popular and let's say they don't choose it and they choose one of the other names i mean is it still okay are you okay with that i think what they should do i think this is easy stuff like for their social media department put out a poll you know i think they should brainstorm with dan snyder hey maybe these are a few of the names that we like let's put out a poll on twitter you know with three options or put a fourth option what another other you know something the fans can suggest or maybe throw it out to the fans hey give us three or four names and and the three most or you know whichever come up the most that's what we're going for you know let your fans decide because ultimately they're the ones supporting you right so i mean I, I, I think if they chose something other than the Red Tails, yes, it would be fine. I think for all the reasons you said, that would be a cool one. And plus, it just sounds yeah. cool. Washington it sounds, Red Tails. Yeah, it does. You know? um, yeah. it, it sounds really cool. Obviously, it has historical significance. That would be gr- something great to capitalize on, not only for that aspect, but for what that symbolizes and means in today's climate to be a team that kind of gets in the foreground of that from going from a team that's kind of been not kind of that has been you know i don't want to say glorifying but you know putting out a product that has a a, has a racist connotation to it now you can completely 180 switch the narrative and and kind of pump up something that should be pumped up in you know in, in these airmen that have a huge historical significance to this country so Hopefully they get it right. I mean, at the like I said, at the end of the day, use this as a as a launching pad to kind of switch the narrative not only around your team and the name, but just the team and its performance. You know, maybe a new feel, a new look, a new name can kind of put some energy back into the building and, and maybe boost up that organization somehow. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Speaking of another team, the Green Bay Packers First team to openly acknowledge that there may be a possibility that there's no fans at games this season, at least for them, which the more we get to it, and that kind of coincides with the NFL slashing preseason games, uh, allegedly it was week one and week four that they're going to get rid of, and then we see Brandon McManus, the Broncos kicker on Twitter, who's the Broncos rep for the Players Union, he's saying it might be zero or one preseason game, which kind of conflicts with what the NFL is saying. The more we hear these things, the more I'm really doubting that we're going to get a full NFL season, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. There's going to be – like, and, and it's – I know there's a lot of people out there saying, well, there's no way what happened to, to the MLB could happen to the NFL. The NFL is way more stable and blah, 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 blah. They have the CBA, whatever. Look, this is – this has never happened before. <laughs> like, there is no – way to handle this um there's gonna be issues players there's gonna be players that aren't gonna want to play there's gonna be players that are gonna be trying to maybe take an advantage uh take this like for you know and try and get rid of all the preseason games because players don't like preseason games um there's there's gonna be there's gonna be a mess there's gonna be a mess and it's not gonna start on time if you think it's gonna start on time I, honestly, I think you're crazy. Um, could I guess could the regular season start when it was originally supposed to, which is early September? I I guess, but the fact that I I really don't. I think it could be it could start maybe late September um, if things all go well and both sides agree to one or two preseason games. Then, 
then maybe the season starts on time just because you're cutting out preseason games. Um, but again, I think there's going to be issues. I, I don't think players are going to want to play preseason games, um, especially when you are risking your health. Um, and I think it's more of why are we risking our health, the player's health, whoever, the coach's health for games that don't matter. But from the NFL's point of view, they're losing out on a lot of money if they don't use these preseason games. And then the whole, are we going to allow fans in the stadium? That's a whole nother issue. And it's, you know, like you said, the Packers are already thinking about, you know, not allowing any fans there. And that's going to, that's going to hurt the NFL with money. So then now that the NFL and the owners are saying, oh, well, we're not going to get the money that, that we want. Okay. Well, are we playing? Are we paying players their full salary? And again, I don't know if, if there's something in the CBA that, you know, says, "Hey, if this happens, players get a certain amount of money, whatever." And it's in there; it's already set. But if even if it's set, there's still going to be issues. There's still going to be, you know, talks of okay, well, even though this is set, this isn't exactly what's happening. So we want this, you know, and the players go to the league and say, no, we want this. And the owners go, uh, go to the players and say, no, we want, and it's going to, there's going to be more and more issues as we get closer. So we're, I would say at the end of July, at the end of this month, we're going to start to hear at least the, by the latest, we're going to start to hear that there's issues with the NFL, the NFL PA and, um, it's it's gonna start there's it's gonna start to get maybe not bad but there's gonna be issues that maybe will delay the season and this is why i said and listen i i love sports just as much as anybody i mean this is obviously what i do for a living what i work in this is why i said way back you know last month or the month before whenever we started it i just felt like we should just suspend sports and i know it's not that easy because there's a lot of people's livelihoods that depend on you know concession workers security guards not just players owners yeah it's just not that easy you know bars around stadiums restaurants they all depend on this economy it's a future of these leagues right and i just but i just felt like because i i can already see it now we're gonna get a few games into this season what if you're a team what if it's the Broncos and three of your offensive linemen test positive and Drew Locke or two of your defensive players? It, you know, these players just don't grow on trees, especially if it's offensive linemen. Then what? What if it's the majority of your team? What if you can't bring a full team to compete? Do you just have to forfeit a game? Well, that's not fair. I mean, it, you lost because of the pandemic. I mean, so it's like I just I just see this already happening to where games are going to be canceled I highly doubt. I'm about 80 to 90% sure we're not going to play a full NFL season here. It's just not going to happen. I think it relies a lot on the NBA and the, right. and the MLB. And because they're going to start games here, it's crazy. They're, it's, it's exciting to think about it, and it's, just, it's crazy. But we're, we will have games in 27 days, at least for the NBA. I don't know when the NHL is starting. I don't know when the MLB – when does the MLB start? July 30th? Um, I believe they're reporting to training either this next week or the week after. 
And then not long after that, I mean, they're going to be playing. I think the NHL isn't far behind, too. I think they had a target date of late July as well. So Right. So we're 27 days from the NBA starting, and that's the big one. Uh, Again, there's only 12 players per team, so it's it's a smaller sample size. And even with Major League Baseball, they have, what, 25 guys? Yeah, something like that. It's not the NFL is very different in the fact that, you know, they have. But here's the thing. If the NBA comes out and we're playing and we get through the, you know, say a couple weeks go by, we're at July 15th and we're solid. Maybe there's a couple players that have been tested positive, but it's something that's not, it's not spreading like crazy, right? And it's being handled really well. And the NBA is doing a very good job as far as, controlling it within the bubble let's say that happens then i think that's i think then if that happens i would say it is more than a 50 percent chance that the nfl starts on time but if we start to see maybe half the league and it's spreading and it's getting bad then there's no way the nfl will happen this year at all I would so, say more so the NFL has has the highest chance of being right. pushed off because I mean you're literally running into guys exchanging bodily fluids whether you and like not it or just not. That, you have more athletes, you have more people. You're dealing with more people and it's not like like the NBA has an advantage here because you can put a court anywhere. I mean look we're going to talk about the second bubble here in a bit. You can put you could if you wanted to, you could come here to Denver. You can do it. You can pull it off. You can go into the um, the convention center. I mean, you saw the – it looks like anti up in, in 2K. Yeah, yeah, it <laughs> like, literally does. They put the courts side by side, and it's it's easy. It's easy. The one – I guess the one concern I have is injuries and how those the, the court will – how stable it is. But obviously, they're going to do their homework. I trust the NBA because the NBA has only done the right thing for the past – ever since Adam Silver has come in. Even – even you know before they've they've always done the right thing um except for maybe a couple moments but the for the most part the nba in my mind is the one league that i trust the most in all of this to handle everything the way that they should handle it so if they come out and it's a disaster then yeah if they can't do it if the nba can't do it no team will because the nfl can't just put a hundred yard field a hundred and 20 yard field anywhere they want next to a bunch of like they, that's you can't do it it's just it's not possible so what are you is, is there going to be so now, now you're saying well there's going to be traveling maybe limited but they're still going to be traveling now uh like you said you're running into each other and you're spinning each other's yeah, faces. blood there's feces <laughs> people are painting their pants sometimes i mean it's just everywhere like you're bound right. to catch an infection so the NFL is at the most, the highest risk. I would say second is the NHL, third is the NBA. The easiest sport to handle all this is Major League Baseball. And if baseball comes out, comes back, and all of a sudden they have a breakout where they are, if the if baseball can't do it, you know, and the NBA is having issues, there's no way you can start the NFL season. There's not. There's not. So look, the NFL has an advantage because these other teams are starting earlier than them they're either continuing the season or they're starting the season earlier. So the NFL has an advantage with that. They can kind of see what happens. So 
you know, if there is issues, they don't, they don't have to go through, we're starting and then you have to stop, right? Stop again. Like the NBA had, there's a risk where you're going to start and a week goes by and you're going to have to stop everything and it's completely failed and you, it's just a disaster. So you don't, if you're the NFL, you don't really want to take that risk. So you have that advantage of seeing what happens with these teams. But again, you're on another level. So even when you come back, you have to be extra, extra, extra precautious because you're traveling. You, you're, the, the style of the game it does not, is not in your favor. The amount of players and the amount of personnel on the team is not in your favor. And now you're, you're still, you still haven't announced that you're allowing, that you're not allowing fans. So if, and I wouldn't put past the NFL, Hey, everyone, come on. <laughs> let's, you know, pack the stadium. Dude, I mean, I the baseball put... teams in Texas, they're like, yeah, let's just come on in. Come right. watch us. I, I wouldn't put it, put it past the NFL to, you know, to just open the floodgates and act like everything is normal. Because that's what they do. They don't handle these things safely. They, they just don't. They don't make the right decisions. We obviously know what, what has happened when, you know, the NFL is in a position to make the right decision, and they look the other way. Colin Kaepernick. There's there's plenty of, not just with Kaepernick and, and those issues, but there's plenty of other issues that the NFL has looked the other way. Um, you know, off the field issues. Oh, yay, take a five-game suspension. That's it. <laughs> you know, oh, hey, well, you know, you've been suspended 5,000 times. We'll bring you back. We'll keep on bringing you back and allowing you to play and trust there's there's plenty of examples where the NFL has made the wrong decision. Not to say that the NBA hasn't, but it's a whole lot less. So it it's I I just don't trust the NFL to making the right decision. I do trust the NBA and so we will see what happens with the NBA and how they're handling it. I think they're handling it the best that they could possibly could with the bubble. They have an advantage you know, with their play style and with how big courts are and whatnot, they have an advantage. So if everything goes well, then, you know, okay, well, now let's look at the MLB. How's that? Because the, the MLB is a little bit closer to the NFL and the fact that there is going to be a little bit of traveling. You can't put a baseball field anywhere you want, um, like a court. So, you know, there's, you know, you... Baseballs go up hundreds of feet in the air, so you can't have a ceiling. So, eh. so you know, that's the next step. Okay, how's MLB doing? Oh, are they ha are they doing well? They're having a very limited amount of 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 uh you know of of cases. Okay, great. You know, that's that's good for us. So in that case, then the NFL and the NFLPA will start to talk a little bit more. But again, if things go bad, there's no way they can. My biggest fear is that just what if what if somebody catches this and dies? And that's yeah. why, you know, and to kind of go to the NBA second bubble thing, um, I don't understand why they're signing off on a second bubble. So teams that didn't make it can play. Why? Why are we even putting <laughs> these guys in even un more unnecessary risk to do this? And and that's my biggest fear is that what if a player catches this or a coach or a, a GM or somebody because we don't ultimately we don't know how this affects everybody. Obviously, it's it could be more serious for people with pre-existing conditions and those who are older. We get that. 
but we've seen healthy younger people uh, get completely affected and impacted by this and, and possibly or have died from it. Say, you know, it, I just can't even think of it. Just an NBA player gets it and goes into some serious critical condition or his career is derailed because of the after effects of this virus. I mean, is it worth it at the end of the day? And I know it's a bigger picture and it's all about money at the end of the day for these leagues and these teams and they're, they're just going to keep on rolling. But it's just, man, that's another reason why I was like, you know what? If we could just bite the bullet for one year and come back next year when we hopefully at least have a vaccine and things are a little bit more stable, I prefer that. But the show must go on. And it's not just the players. The concern, the I think for me, the biggest concern is these head coaches because they are in their 50s, 60s. You know, Mike D'Antoni is how old? Um, I think he's at the highest risk, right? He's the oldest coach. I, I mean, he, him, Pop, you know, Pop is up there. Yeah, and, and, and so, Pop, yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of coaches out there that, that are at risk, too. And and not only that, these guys have families, too. That And obviously, they won't be able to see their families when they're around. But, and that's another thing I have. With, yeah, and that's another thing I have with the NBA, too. Having a, They call it a bubble, but it's not a bubble because you're allowing workers to come in right. and out that are going to work there. They are talking about that now because right. it was brought up. But it's like that that made no sense to me because you're having these players go undergo this strict protocol of you you can't you know go you can go out but you, you have to stay here or you know stay within the resort and all but you know the workers can go out and and live their daily lives and then they're coming back if they're asymptomatic and they just happen to come into contact with LeBron James what if the guy that's bringing LeBron James's room service up he just happens to have it you know, sneezes, doesn't cover his mouth that time, and it goes in LeBron James's toast that morning. And then, boom, LeBron has it, and then and then it's, you know, right. whatever happens next with that. Right. So it's just, it's a huge concern. There's so many things that I just, I feel like we could avoid, but I get it. It's just, it's just not as easy as saying we're just not going to play. There's so many things. It's a ripple effect either way. You know, it's yeah. really choosing – which evil or which poison, which, you know, which side, what, what do you want? Pick your poison. What do you want to have to deal with? And the NBA is possibly rolling with potential harsh sickness and death. And as well as the rest of the leagues. Pop is 71. Rick Carlisle is 60. You know, Doc Rivers is 58. Like, you know, that's, that's the concern for me is, is the, is the coaches and not just the head coaches, the assistant coaches, everyone. Um, The players are at the least, the least risk, right? I mean, they're they they're healthy and and whatnot. But again, like you said, it has affected healthy people, you know. So it there it's rare, it's a rare chance, but it has happened. And so this that's just if if something like that happens, worst case scenario, and someone you know someone does lose their life because of this. Yeah, they're gonna have to shut it down. And at that point, like, and I'm sure they've talked about it. You know, is it worth that risk? Um, and that's why they've allowed people to say, "Hey, we're I'm not I'm not going." You know, it is up to, it is up to the players and the coaches. You know, they are deciding to go, uh, and do this. If, you know, if you had LeBron. Kawhi, like all these superstars, Giannis say, hey, we're not coming. Uh, and then you had, you know, Pop, Mike D'Antoni, 
Rick Carlisle, you know, all these coaches say, hey, we're not coming, then, you know, obviously they wouldn't go through with it. But they are. They are risking it. Risking it. And so, you know, if, if something does happen, not all the blame should go to the NBA. If, if worst-case scenario, if the worst-case scenario happens, yeah. you know, a lot of the blame right. is going to go to the NBA. But, you know, they, did, they are giving these players and the coaches the option to go. Um, I listened listen to a Michael Malone interview with uh, a lot of the Denver media. Uh, I believe it happened a couple of days. It was, I don't know if it was yesterday, a couple of days ago. I can't honestly remember. Yesterday was a long day, but um, it, you know, he, yes, he's concerned a little bit, but you know, what he said was he trusts the NBA and, and he trusts that the bubble will work. And that, um, you know, for him, the hardest thing is not seeing his family uh, because they will not be able to see anyone for 60 to 90 days. Like, it's a long time. Uh, but, you know, he's, look, all these guys, they're taking that risk. And so if something does happen to one of them, I, I hate to say it's on them, but at the end of the day, it is because they're choosing to go. Yeah, they, um, they had a choice to opt out, for sure. Right. I can no, understand. Knowing that. their age, knowing if they have something, you know, family history of of some underlying illness. Like, there's, they all know. And so, you know, if they're willing to take that risk, then it's on them at the end of the day. Um, now, could, that have, could the NBA have just said, no, forget it, we're skipping until next year? Yeah, they could have. But you got to also remember the NBA, there's a lot at risk here with money. And there's a reason why all these players and coaches are going. Because if the NBA doesn't continue their season and they lose out on all the billions of dollars, then it's going to affect salary in the future. And all these players are going to lose out on, you know, the NBA has done all this, you know, all this work to be able to, like these max contracts, like guys are signing $30 million deals a year. And if they don't continue to play, that could be cut in half. And we're back in early 2000s where the max deal was, I, I can't really, I just watched the LeBron special. It was like, he signed like a four-year, $80 million deal. <laughs> like, you know, like that's... That's what Alan Crabb is getting these days. That's <laughs> what <laughs> so Gary Harris just signed. Right. So you're back in those days. And these players don't want that. You know, LeBron is smart. He doesn't want that. He makes a lot of money. And it's not just for him. He knows that this is for the rest of the league. This is for guys like Luka, for Giannis, for Nikola Jokic, for the young, for these young players that are going to be taking, you know, that are going to be running the league for the next 20 years. It's for these guys. Playing these, playing these games, you know, in July or in August, September, October, November, whatever, it's for those guys. It's it's for so that the league can continue to be as dominant and as you know and and continue the revenue that they've had over the over the last couple of years and then not just that, but getting more, getting more and more and more. In ten years, you're going to be seeing fifty million dollar deals in a single season, you know, for guys like Giannis and Luca. So it's for those guys and it's for the league. So it's. Money is controlling pretty much this whole thing. 
unfortunately i mean that's that, that's just the reality of it yeah no, so that's, they, that's a great point to. though yeah they i mean again it's same with mlb same with the nfl there's a lot of money at stake and unfortunately, that's just what rules the world. So, I mean, hopefully we can get through all this and guys come out as healthy as possible and we don't have any issues. Real quick update on the uh, Washington name change situation. Mike Jones, who was a USA Today reporter, uh, NFL USA Today reporter, he just tweeted out not too long ago, asked two different people very plugged into Snyder's decision-making about this name review and chances of Redskins renaming. Both said it's over. Snyder's got no choice. Also, when FedEx, who is the name sponsor of the field, asked you to change, and then Nike apparently, and I went on the website this morning, they pulled everything Redskins-related from their website. So, and Nike is the, the jersey sponsor. So he really, and that's, unfortunately, is he doing this because it's the right thing to do? Or is it because this yes. is going to affect his wallet? It's probably right. the latter. But at the end of the day, it's going to get changed. And that's that's where we're at with that. So good on, on the NFL and these other, other organizations kind of stepping up and, and fighting for what's right. So And it'll probably happen quickly, too. I mean, Oh, yeah, I would assume so. Yeah, I mean, the season's I, gonna I start here I, soon. <laughs> so, well, yeah, but yeah, they need to get New Jersey's logos, all that, all that stuff. But I would say by our next show episode on Tuesday, we'll probably have, we'll probably get at least a, a like, uh, like this is the tentative decision. You know, not one hundred percent, but it's the favorite. Um, so we'll we'll probably know by by our next episode. It's going to be interesting to see. We never got to it earlier, but before we wrap up, Cam Newton signing with the New England Patriots. For a moment there, Jarrett Stidham was like, oh, yeah, baby, this is my squad. Time but time for the dynasty to start with me. I'm the new guy. And then the Patriots were like, yeah, not so fast, not so fast. They ring Cam Newton. I believe it was a one-year deal. Really interesting. I mean, I, I would have never pictured Cam Newton – in a Patriots uniform with that organization, you know, Cam Newton's more of an outspoken, you know, type of guy, more outgoing. We know the Patriots kind of like to keep team or keep their players kind of insulated and not show as much personality. I saw a Boston radio station is already criticizing Cam Newton. He hasn't even played it down for them for how is how he celebrates his touchdowns. And it's like, Oh my God, like what do you guys want? I mean, do you want Jared Stidham or do you want a quarterback that's at least somewhat competent? Now I'm not the biggest believer in Cam Newton, but I'd rather have Cam Newton than Jared freaking Stidham. So what are your thoughts on, on Cam going there? Uh, Does it make them a playoff contender? If it wasn't the Patriots and any other team was in that situation, I would like it. But, but like you just said, the fit, is not the best but again if it's not like cam it's not like cam is a bad guy like you know that that's that's not the issue it's just he is a little bit more outspoken um but i don't think it's a bad it's a bad thing you know him being outspoken he's got a lot of personality yeah, and I think you you see it on the field. You you see it, you know, with his touchdown celebrations. Which, okay, come on, what you just want the Gronk spike and that's it? Like, geez. The only thing I don't like about Cam Newton is his Instagram font. 
decisions and how he <laughs> tweets. Really confusing stuff. Did you, did Not you, sure by why. The way, did you see the Edelman post and then Brady commented on it? No. So Edelman, I'm pretty sure this was real. I I want to double check to make sure if you can find Edelman's um Instagram. Uh, but uh, it had so pay or pain. A Brady commented, "He's like, I'll always be your number one, or something like that." Um, <laughs> so that was hysterical to me. Um, I I think on the field, I think it will be okay. But here's the thing: you got to remember that New England does not have very many weapons. You got Edelman, and that's it. So, uh, I don't know. Cam's gonna have to do a lot of running. I feel like, and if that's the case, he's gonna get hurt. I don't see it working out really that well because of that. If they had web, if they had Gronk, if they had Edelman, if they had another receiver on the outside, you know, say Antonio Brown had worked out and they had Antonio Brown still, you know, some something like that, then I'd be more like, okay, this is this can work, but him has no weapons there, and the only guy that could really succeed without any weapons was Brady. So if you really think you can do that with Cam or any other quarterback, you're going to lose a lot of games, and it's going to be a disaster. And unfortunately for Cam, it's going to fall all on him. I think one thing they'll probably try to do, and we know with McDaniels there, he's going to cater to Cam's uh, skill set. So I don't think they're going to force him to do anything they that he isn't good at doing, like you know throwing the football. Uh, he's not, not great at that, at, at being <laughs> like a true pocket quarterback. So I think you'll see more runs, but like you said too, he's he's older now. He's he's a little bit more injury prone, so they have to be a little bit more clever with how they use that. I think this is a team that's just going to be run heavy and play defense. They're going to use that great defense they had from last year, and they're just going to try and run the ball, pass when necessary, you know, try and try and just muck games up, win it twenty to seventeen type of style. They're, I don't think they're going to throw it all around the yard. Like you said, they don't have any weapons. I mean, they have Nikhil Harry, who they drafted a couple years back. Julian Edelman's kind of on his last legs, literally. I mean, the guy's like he's getting banged up every year, it seems like, with, with those lower body injuries. But it's going to be an interesting thing. I think it, it keeps them relevant uh, to an extent. Now, are they like some sort of AFC championship contender? I don't think so. Uh, but you never know with that defense. I mean, it, we, we've seen around here what a great defense can do for you. I mean, it can carry you all the way if it's if it's really that great. So, I mean, maybe it keeps them relevant. Maybe they're, you know, I don't know what their schedule is. Maybe they're an 8-10 to 10 win team um, off the top of my head. But I don't know. I mean, I still think they still, maybe the stranglehold isn't as tight. But I th- if I had to choose someone, I mean, I guess Buffalo. But at the end of the day, do you believe in Josh Allen more in Buffalo? Or do you believe in Cam Newton and and New England Patriots and what they what they've done. So it'll be interesting. It'll be more of a 50-50, but I would still probably lean more towards the New England Patriots there. Uh, it'll definitely be the worst division in football. Uh, yeah, I mean maybe, yeah. Cuz I think last year was the NFC East, but I think I think Dallas, Philly, um the Giants might actually be better with Daniel Jones in his third second year. Uh I think that division it will be solid. Um, the AFC North, uh, no, because you got Baltimore. What about the AFC South? Um, I mean, I guess you have Tennessee, who's a playoff team, have, and and the Texans, who are a playoff team. You have the yeah, you have the Texans. So. The Colts will be interesting with Philip Rivers. Yeah, that's uh, right. I forgot about that. Yep. 
So yeah, I I think the AFC East will probably be the worst team in the or worst division in the league, uh, unless Buffalo comes out and just does things. Um, and then, but other than that, I mean, it'd be just one team. So yeah, that's that's good. I mean, look, the Patriots have a chance. <laughs> they have a chance with the Cam and and to win the division, even with Stidham. To be honest, they had a chance. Um, you think so? Yeah, I, I think yeah, if they had Stidham, they would be. Maybe the third best team I, in the but, division. But I could see, I could see them going eight and eight and winning the division. So it is the Patriots. It, yeah, and it's it's also the Bills, the Dolphins, and uh, I'm missing a team Jets. here. <laughs> the Jets. They're forgettable. It's okay. Everybody <laughs> forgets them. It's fine. They're, they're a thing, but it's fine. No one, no one cares about them. So yeah, I I could. I would say that puts the Patriots for the lead, at least to win the division. But if I had to put money on it, I'm I would go with the I would go with Buffalo. I like Josh Allen. Um, Do you? I, I don't. Yeah, I like Josh Allen. I think they can run the ball pretty well. They went out and drafted a receiver. I'm pretty sure, or they signed someone. Who did they? They, they signed uh, Diggs. So, uh, the defense is is really good. I I think. I would I would put my money on on Buffalo right now, but that's just because Cam has no weapons. If New England goes out there and, and resigns Antonio Brown, I don't know, does something, uh, makes a trade. Some, I mean, I like, like you said, Nikhil Harry is solid, but I mean, I don't know. Can you really trust him? You know, can you trust Edelman to be healthy? I think he had some injury issues last year, but he didn't really perform well, Nikhil Harry. Right. So I think that again, that was partly due to injury because I think he missed a good chunk of the season but even when he was there it just I mean I didn't really hear I mean obviously I don't watch the New England Patriots every week but it didn't seem like he was popping off the screen you weren't hearing a lot of Nikhil Harry buzz off of Twitter or ESPN or NFL.com that's for sure yeah so that's the issue with that I don't know we'll see but really what team what other team was going to sign Cam and allow Cam to be the starter so it, it makes sense that point like it had to be the pages because there's no way he was gonna take a sign with a team to be a backup there's no way and he shouldn't i just am waiting for you know maybe the first text message from cam to bill i wonder if it's in that weird font (laughs) and just trying to see bill belichick trying to read this and immediately regretting what he just allowed to happen because he's like is he, is he talking to me through hieroglyphics like hieroglyphics do i have well, to like i guess the other issue too is will cam and josh get along because we all know especially like us we know how josh is with quarterbacks who can who speaks their mind like uh, <laughs> i don't know if that's really it's gonna be an interesting out. fit but we know he's one of the best offensive coordinators in the league and you know and when he has weapons, at least, I, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to see what he has now and, and how he, how he right. works things up with that. But that's going to do it for us today. We want to thank you guys for tuning in, whether you were watching via YouTube or if you're listening later on through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Overcast, and Radio Public. We thank you for tuning in. Hopefully, Nikola Jokic is having a wonderful day and recovering nicely. And uh, hopefully, someone sent some crumble his way. You can follow us on Twitter again before we head out at Brandon underscore uh, Stoll for Brandon at Stephen Priest Jr. for myself. Again, this has been the Behind the Glass Sports Podcast. We'll see you on Tuesday.